This morning we're reading from Psalm 34 and verses 1 and 8, 9, and 10. And the subject is, is it a sin to not be thankful? Something to think about. Psalm 34, 1, 8 to 10. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. The psalmist writes this, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Verses 8 through 10, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. You may be seated. This past Monday was a beautiful, gorgeous day. And about noontime, I made an errand or two, and I was driving through the streets of Derby, and, and I noticed that the Bradford pears were just gorgeous. You know, in fact, they, 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 some of them I noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, one side of the tree will kind of be one shade and another side a slight bit different. Um, the maples have been beautiful this year. Even the oak trees that sometimes go directly green to brown are kind of getting color in them this year. And you know, all these things kind of uh, mystify me because I thought with the drought and the heat and everything, the trees would be ugly, but they were just Gorgeous. And then uh, down about three blocks away, going northeast of here, there's a home with that had those red, I don't know if you call them fire bushes or what they were, but they were just as brilliant as they could be in, in their dazzling red. And then I drove over the river going down by Taco Tico and off, off that way. And the cottonwoods along the river, they're normally really an ugly tree. You know, there's not a lot pretty about a cottonwood. And uh, just all along the river bank was just a, a long hue of yellow, bright yellow, just gorgeous. So I told Cheryl, I said, you know what? When you get the last kid off of your babysitting group after school and, and they're all gone, 5 o'clock, whatever, you give me a call because you and I are going on a little date. We're going to go look at the trees and the bushes and all that beautiful stuff that God has made and we are going to see it before the sun goes down. And I'm even going to treat you to a Big Mac. <laughs> no, it was a big burrito or something. I don't remember what it was, but we did that. And we went out and we looked at the trees and they were just dazzling. I don't know if any of the rest of you saw it. And Monday seemed to be particularly beautiful because there was kind of a cloud overcast, but the sun would shine down through it and it had this effect on the leaves that just... They were just gorgeous. But then within a couple of days, in fact, by Wednesday, the temperature dropped, didn't it? The wind shifted to the north, and it came howling through from the north, and the, tree, the, the leaves began to drop, just drop. And uh, they, were, they were coming through. Actually, I think it was a south wind. No, Wednesday got cold. So the trees shook. The, the leaves began to drop. And they blew into my neighbor's yard just south of me, and I thought, good, he needs my leaves. He's got the equipment to suck them all up, and I have to rake them. And, uh, but then Thursday, the wind shifted, didn't it? It came back from the south, and I mean, it blew through. So 
I not only got my leaves back, but now his leaves, sycamore leaves on top of my leaves in my yard. However, thankfully, the wind shifted again. It's gone back to the south, and he's got my leaves again. But anyway, here's what is so interesting. Um, Usually, when we have allowed a wrong attitude to kind of slip into our lives, um, and we don't notice it, it's kind of like God takes the leaves of our lives and he begins to kind of shake things up to get our attention. And we see the leaves kind of beginning to drop and blow and go in the wrong way. And it's God's way of kind of shaking up our lives and getting our attention and letting us know it's not going well in your life. And usually, Thanksgiving seems to be at the heart of it. Now, let me bring up some sins, some attitudes, some uh, attitudes of uh, sinful attitudes. And, and every one of them, I've, I've discovered, if I'm practicing this attitude or if I've let it slip into my life, I haven't been a very thankful person. For instance, have you ever known of a bitter person who just exudes thanksgiving? No. They don't, do they? Because they're complaining. They're they're bitter. Have you ever known an angry person to be all angry, but at the same time saying, boy, I'm so thankful for all these things going on in my life? No. What about a person that's full of evil speech? You know, they just kind of have a profane mouth. I don't normally catch those people being the types of people that just Thanksgiving's coming off their lips. Do What about malice, those people that are... They want to get even. They want to even the score. They want to hurt you and bring you down. Are they being full of thanksgiving in their hearts? No. What about the person that kind of has this attitude of going around, oh, woe is me, you know, and they have this low self-esteem and I'll never make anything out of life and my, you know, life is never going my way. Are they, you hear thanksgiving on their lips? No. You ever known of a jealous person? To really also at the same time be a person to say, but I am so thankful for all these things. No. Complaining attitude? No. What about a person that's always worrying, always anxious, always fretting? Are they a person too that at the same time, but I'm so thankful. I'm so worried, but I'm so thankful. No. And it's no wonder then that the Bible thousands of times brings up this theme, thanksgiving, praise, counting your blessings, looking at your life. God will shake up the leaves hanging from our lives every now and then, and he'll get our attention. And when he does so, we often discover that, okay, I'm jealous, I'm angry, I'm complaining, or I'm trying to show malice or whatever. I haven't been practicing thanksgiving, have I? I get it. Let's get back to that. So here's the question. Is it a sin to not be thankful? I think you know the answer. There was a situation in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19, where Jesus encountered 10 lepers. Leprosy was the dreaded of all diseases. You were an outcast. You were put out in in a group all by yourself. You couldn't mingle with society. You're... All your freedoms were taken away in that. What could you do in life? But ten lepers came to Jesus one day. He came upon them and and Jesus cleansed the lepers. But listen to what Jesus says. 
Ten of those lepers were cleansed. How many came back to give thanks? One. Listen to what Jesus said. He asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except these foreigners? And he was referring to one of the lepers was a Samaritan. All the rest were Jews. I think Jesus was agitated. I think he was angry. I think he was disappointed, don't you? Over such reluctance to to give thanksgiving to him who had changed their life, who had taken away this thing that that all their life had been this thing that had kept them so uh, imprisoned. But here's what's interesting. In verse 19, to this one leper, this one leper only that came back and gave thanks, here's what Jesus did. He gave him an extra blessing, and it was the biggest blessing. He said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Speaking spiritually. Sin blocks the blessings of God in our lives. In this case, the ungrateful lepers did not experience the spiritual blessing, which was the greater blessing that Jesus placed on the grateful one. And so, yes, to be ungrateful before God is a sin. It might not be so much that God is going to punish you for it, but get this, if you are not grateful for God, God is not going to give you the greater blessings in life beyond that as we see in the case of the, of the leper. And the real danger is, if we don't catch what's going on, we can go deeper into our wrong attitudes, and we can just complain about it all the more, get all the, the, the more angry, go even deeper into our bitterness of souls. But you see, when you let thanksgiving slip up in your soul, in your life, it, it leads to other dangers. Now, how do we, how do we let this happen? Because if, if we're all the same and we're all human and we're all human, prone to error, we're all pun, prone to forget, to have bad memories, to, to hear sermons like this, to go through a f- service of thanksgiving, and then a month or two or three down the line we realize, how did I let thanksgiving slip out of my life? What are the causes that make that happen? What is it? that we have to be watchful for. Well, here's the first thing I would bring to your attention. Thanksgiving will slip out of our lives if we respond to the trials in our lives in our own strength. That is the first way that you would find. One of the strongest temptations in the time of trial, especially during spiritual attack on you, is to respond in your own strength. To respond in the flesh. Anxiety, self-pity, resentment are the ways that we respond when life isn't going our way, isn't it? Isn't that what we do? But see, here's what Satan does. He begins to target the vulnerable places in your heart, and then he begins to tear down your confidence in God. And uh, then his goal is... Now listen to me. Satan comes along and he attempts to get you to agree with him on the lies he puts before you. And he gets you to start focusing on the seemingly overwhelming situation at hand. That is what Satan does, isn't it? 
He gets your eyes off. He gets you to focus on the lies in life that aren't true. And, and when we respond to the trials in our lives and our own strength, we always do that. Satan will put that trick on us again and again and again. Here's the second thing we do that, that uh, when Thanksgiving slips out of our lives, it's because we've begun to walk by uh, sight instead of by faith. We wake up, God, I don't see it. Satan sweeps in again and he begins to feed off of that. He begins to feed into our minds and our thoughts and things that are not right, that are not truthful. And so we're walking by sight and God says, walk by faith. Second Corinthians 5, 7, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And so there is a verse challenging us to walk by faith. We are new creatures in Christ. The old hopeless days are gone. The new days filled with hope and so much more in Christ are here. Walk by faith, not by sight. And therefore, as we await his answers to prayer, we should at the same time be pursuing a deeper relationship with Christ. Okay, God, I don't see it. But that doesn't matter. I'm walking by faith. And as I walk by faith during this time, you are going to make me grow, aren't you? And I'm going to get stronger. So we use the time. Number three, we forget that God wants to meet our needs. Did you know God wants to meet your needs? Throughout the scripture, God's always telling us, Ask, and you will receive. Bring it to my attention. Let me know about it. Read such passages as Matthew 7, 7 to 10, Philippians 4, 6 to 7, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, and all kinds of passages that, that get us to remember God wants me to, wants me to bring my needs to Him because He wants to meet my needs. And we have, we have uh, slipped in our practice of thanksgiving because we've forgotten that. We've doubted that. And Satan has led us down the path of believing in his lies. Remember the angel of, uh, the deceitful angel that comes as an angel of light, makes his lies sound like, oh, these are coming from God, but they're not coming from God because God doesn't do such things. The fourth thing we do is, this can be a big one for some of us, we tend to go too much by our feelings. Sometimes we don't feel like praising God, do we? And sometimes our feelings are really, really, we're struggling. But do your feelings tell you where you're at? Do you go by your feelings when you're supposed to be going what God is really going to bring into your life? Do you go by your feelings on those things? That's a pretty bad barometer, isn't it? Certainly not by faith, certainly not by the Word of God. And see, here's, here's the way we need to work it. When you don't feel like praising God, do it anyway. Why? Because in time, you're going to begin to discover, I'm beginning to feel it now. I didn't feel it a minute ago. I felt like I didn't want to do anything of the sort, but I'm practicing it. I'm beginning to feel it. It's coming to me. 
And it will gradually open up your heart to natural thanksgiving as you begin to recognize His goodness in your life. Here's the fifth thing. Why we slip in our practice of thanksgiving, we simply leave God out of the equation. You know what's interesting? And most of us here are very fortunate. We have jobs, and we we need to be thankful for them, don't we? And not everybody has a job, and I know that. But here's what's interesting. There's an enormous amount of talk on the economy, isn't there? I mean, that's what the next presidential election will be all about. It already is. And we talk to each other about the economy, and we talk about the stock market, and we talk about so many different things, and the cost of living going up. And But you know what? I think sometimes God is a little disheartened with us Christians. I really do. Because I think sometimes we talk to each other about the economy and we can make it sound pretty bad and we go back and forth. And and by the time we're done talking to each other, we haven't encouraged each other. We just feel all the bluer about the whole thing. And here's why I think God is disheartened. God is kind of like he's here and he's watching two people talk back and forth and he's saying, uh, hold a minute, can, can I be a part of your conversation I'm up here. Uh, Anybody notice me? You're pretty disheartened about the economy, but where am I? Have I just dropped off the earth and not around anymore? Not a part of the equation? And I'm not saying that God is saying, I'm going to turn America around and all this grand stuff, but God is saying, I know your situation. Don't forget about me. And I think so often when we have failed to practice thanksgiving, we just have totally forgot God is there. And I think God is a little disheartened. He is grieved. Number six, we fail, I think, when we, when we fail to practice thanksgiving, we fail to see the value in waiting on God. If you want to grow in godliness... While waiting, you must begin with the truth of Scripture and God's trustworthiness as Heavenly Father. Sometimes God wants to teach us so much more because we're waiting. And we just don't want to do that. We just, God, you know, you're, you're a little slow. I'm not sure you're really going to come in time. And God is saying, but, yeah, I know, but... There's some things I'd like to work on in your life and some rough edges, and we can do it during this time. Be thankful. Work with me, and I'll make you something beautiful. Well, let's go on here. Here's the things to practice, or here's here's the way to beat having an ungrateful spirit. Let me bring up some things that come out of our Scripture. Number one is to practice praise all the time. The psalmist says, I will extol extol the Lord at all times. Did he say when things are going good, when he feels good, when he sees God? No. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. The word extol means to praise, to magnify, to 
admire. And the psalmist is saying, his praise will always be on my lips. In other words, his praise will always be in my thoughts. I don't know if you've ever read the book, In the Presence of Mine Enemies. POW in Vietnam. He had to spend uh, several years in the Hanoi Hilton, they called it. You know, isolation, cement walls, six by six cell. They had soup every day that consisted of kind of a dirty broth with a worm in it now and then and so on. Conditions just deplorable. Prisoner of war, serving our country, not in a place of honor with stripes on your outfit. But I've read that book more than one time, and I've read it because of this. Sometimes God really jolts me when I read that book. It's a small paperback, so it doesn't take that long. When I get done reading that book, it's kind of like reading the book of Job. You say to yourself, I have so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for, And I should never let a day go by in my life where I don't thank God for something. I know that man did when he was in the Hanoi and when he got out. Practice praise all the time. The psalmist says, I will extol the Lord at all times. The second thing is to look for the blessings in your life God has given. The psalmist did that because he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you don't have any spiritual blessings in your life, maybe you're spiritually blind. If you can't find any blessings, you must be spiritually blind. And listen to Revelation 3.17. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, and you are lukewarm, and I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. If we cannot recognize blessings in our lives, we are Pitiful, poor, blind, naked. Right? And so we look for the blessings in life that God has given us. And wasn't it kind of uh, interesting to watch the children this morning? And I never told them to come. or They weren't supposed to come up on the platform. But maybe there were some of us God was just really wanting to get our attention. Count your blessings. Every day. Here's the next thing. Number three, practice a healthy fear of God. The psalmist writes, fear the Lord, you saints. Why? Because for those who fear him, lack nothing. That's what the psalmist says. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Is it a dreaded, unhealthy fear? One that tyrannizes you, makes you watch your back all the time, keeps you up at night and doesn't give you a good night's sleep? I don't think so. Not if you're a child of God. God is not a Saddam Hussein or an Omar Gaddafi. Nothing like that. Don't make God to be like that. Remember, there were good and godly kings in Israel. And if you feared them... It was good for you. Being a loyal and good subject of the king was good for you in return because he protected you. He gave you blessings. He 
gave you the benefits of the kingdom. And so God is saying, be loyal to me, have that kind of fear and reverence for me, and I will be good to you. I will bless you. That is, that is the reverential fear we need to have of God. And so we practice that healthy fear of God. And if we do, that will go a long way keeping thanksgiving in our lives. Number four, live in the assurance that God will provide. Again, the psalmist writes, The lion may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The picture here is of a lion. There's no food. At least you can't find any. He's hungry. His stomach feels it. It's growling. He wants to get a hold of something with meat. He paces back and forth. He fretfully is searching and watching and looking. And his mind is not at ease. God says, don't be like that. You don't have to be. Live in the assurance that I will provide. And you may be hungry from time to time. You may wonder how it's going to work out from time to time. Because God has to do that to keep us on the straight and narrow. He doesn't spoil us. But just remember... God will provide. Don't get caught up in an anxiety attack. Be assured that, that it, it, it is God's will for you to provide for you. Feed off of Jesus' words when he said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I like the Bible, don't you? Some of those little tiny words mean a lot. All these things will be provided for you as well. How are the leaves in your life right now? Is God kind of shaking them up a little bit? Getting your attention? Has He shown you that you need to do a little better job at Thanksgiving? Good. Because He does that with me. No doubt you're not alone. He shakes us all up a bit from time to time and just respond in a good way. And here's kind of a really earth-shaking little email quote I want to leave you with as we conclude this morning. Boy, when I read this and Donna Peterson sent it to me, it just kind of sent chills down my spine. It just kind of scared me a little bit. But think about this. What if you wake up today with only the things you thanked God for yesterday. Would you be a pauper? Scary, huh? And yet, how truthful it is as an exam, a test, God wants to use. Well, today... I thank God for the really important things, beginning with my salvation. Nothing tops that, right? Make Thanksgiving, make Thanksgiving a real part of your everyday Christian living. It is just something you cannot afford to live without. Let's pray. Father, there are so many things we could stop right now and thank you for. So many things. 
tonight will give us an opportunity to, to do that. But most importantly, Lord, we are human and we are prone to forget. We are prone to err. We are prone to so often get off the road of not practicing thanksgiving. But this is a morning, Lord, that you just want to set things right in our lives, in our hearts, in our spirits. Forgive us for forgetting you. Forgive us for having little faith. Forgive us for having short-sightedness. Forgive us, Lord, for sometimes just in a roundabout way and saying, no, God, I'm not going to wait. I want it now. And you had other plans to use the waiting period to make us better. Lord, I think we all kind of fit in the same boat at times. So this morning is just kind of confession. Forgive us. But Lord, one of the things we are so thankful for is you always forgive. You discipline us, you correct us because you love us. May we be thankful, and we are. Thank you. Amen.